bitches. I'm Purnima and I'm going to make like the Queen of England and declare this year Annus Horribilis, which for us plebs means that 2020 was basically Satan's butthole. But traditions are traditions and as we said bye bitch to this year, we're also checking in to do like a quick review because when we were younger, you know, we some of us played the naughty or nice game. But now that we're older and we have more to look back on, I mean, sometimes we just go, oh no, I didn't become that NASA astronaut and I didn't solve world hunger. So am I like a failure? <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I'm to do that. If you're a person who makes New Year's resolutions, I have two facts for you. Firstly, the Gregorian calendar we all use was instituted in 1582 in Rome by a Pope. So it's probably anti-national for you to harness that cart of your self-improving aspirations to the horse that is the Western import of measuring time. So how very dare you. <laughs> and secondly, New Year's resolutions are really old, man. They like date back to ancient Babylon. And there's some evidence to show that about 4,000 years ago, people were making promises to the gods that I'll pay my debts and I'll return anything I've borrowed. Just be good to me. So you know now what to do with your unrealistic expectations for next year and your feelings of failure. You have to just give them back. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the immortal words of Rihanna, bitch better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. Now, now that we've got that out of my system, let's get down to talking about failure, man. All those times that we bombed and bombed <laughs> so, so, so bad. <laughs> You know, because honestly, like looking back, I feel like for me, it's been a lifetime of dumb fuck moments, you know, like choking or rather croaking at a music audition, getting hit on the head with cricket balls repeatedly through my childhood and youth then like being slapped in the face by a cow's tail and that kid in assembly that threw up on me basically every teen movie disaster it me (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry but later on you've got to tell me more details about this getting hit in the face by a cow's tail (laughs) if you ask me (laughs) I think everybody has like a pile of things in their minds that are embarrassing and it takes you 20 years to stop cringing like once I dragged a bra down a street and it was attached to my boots and I was thinking wow everyone's looking at me man I'm like I should wear this outfit more often man and then this like little old lady came to me and said baby they go and I looked down and I was also it wasn't even a good bra it was one of those shitty bras you know she said I was like what the fuck do you think it fell off while I was walking fuck off anyway so it was a really bad moment and I just about like overcome it but you know Quick lesson in failure, nothing made me feel more of a failure in the recent past as when I was having my first child and I just failed to go into labor and my mom had had six kids and everything so there was all this pressure and also this was a very old nursing home where I myself was born so that nurse who was ah. in the process of like cheering me on, she had delivered me. So you know hmm. there was a lot of pressure to just have this baby naturally like while singing an aria or something and there was no labor pains, there was nothing so what this nurse did and readers not sorry listeners I would really encourage you to like open your minds now and imagine this the old nurse has stuck her head near my hoo-ha and she's shouting come on baby come on baby don't be naughty come on baby okay 
And then there was a big scandal because, you know, my God, she didn't go into labor. And then the next day, there was a former classmate who was in the next room and they were cheering her on like, wow, wonderful. How wonderful. Very good. My, see how nicely she's dilating. The entire first floor heard that. So being a failure (laughs) is something that other people make you feel. And also, you know, if the whole thing of someone shouting about how great you are dilating is your chance of success, fuck that shit, man. (laughs) The dilation game coming to, to a theatre near you. It sounds, it sounds yeah, really intense. I mean, apart from all the other intense shit that comes with childbirth, now you have to deal with this. Yeah, with dilation shaming. Oh my god. But like, talking about bombing, man, have we bombed as a nation this year or what? Starting from the unprecedented migrant crisis to the way our media and pillars of democracy have failed us. Makes my being slapped by a cow and even your birthing trauma story seem like, you know, chiller, chiller failure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's It's like, yeah, I mean, if there was like a marginalized group, you know, like women, workers, non-Hindus, non-Savarnas, gender non-conforming, non-straight, disabled, you name it, they were like screwed in one way or the other this year. And when even that wasn't fun enough for our dear leaders, they turned on doctors and nurses, healthcare workers and like farmers for fuck's sake. And were like probably like somewhere stroking their beards and going, "Hmm, how can we shit on them today? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how I imagined them, Purnima. I'm telling you, that's how it was. Because if your name didn't end in Ani, then you were probably out in the cold, buddy. You know. So if I had to rate India right now, two thumbs down, ten on ten, would not recommend. Shadi, cancel. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Like, they don't seem to have any feelings of failure themselves, BTW. I've said it before, governments can feel like abusive parents. <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> traditional Indian parenting. Because I did some research on how South Asians raise their kids. So I googled shit Desi parents say. And, you know, you, you're raised with these things, right? All of us sitting down here right now doing our year-end tick marks and lists of ways we have failed. Like, has your parent or some auntie ever said to you, Beta, you don't want to be a doctor when you grow up. Or mm-hmm. when you grow up, you'll take care of me and I'll play with your grandpa or finish what's on your plate now it's very bad to leave food but also in the next breath why are you so fat then why can't you be more like xyz like why can't you be more like xyz everyone has had even with the best parents then you have to listen to us we have your best interests at heart but also do a school dance for auntie and uncle are sitting there looking least interested we have grown up performing for very very rough crowds who are our relatives and how can that not make us feel like failures (laughs) (laughs) it's like really bad and all this parent and whoever's in power they all seem to have this thing like take some Bollywood sentimentality take some generic American cultural cues then put like Asian guilt mongering and that's how you're set out into the world right like we are are never allowed to grow up you can't be confident in your own decisions somebody will say like I want to take a gap year and Mm -hmm. their mom will be like but you cannot spend 12 months wearing chinos fuck you then you can't (laughs) choose life partner you have a kid and then some pundit will tell you what alphabet the name of that child starts really yeah. really really yeah. you're just set up to fail I mean why do we even try so basically my parents tried a bit but they kind of failed quite flamboyantly so I decided fuck it I'm not even going to try you know there's no measure but if there was a measure tomorrow I have the lowest expectations any mother could have of my children oh beta today you brushed your teeth <gasps> Amazing. That's so good. <laughs> and it was like really working well. Okay, Purnima. It really was. And then now, all my kids' contemporaries are doing really well. Like one can play the piano, one can fly the plane, one can do like hajar other things, curing COVID and all of that. And mine are 
still about brushing their teeth and getting claps. So I, I'm like a sandwich generation of failure. Like, you know, I feel like I failed my parents and my kids now. <laughs> so now no, I'm really looking for good examples. Like, I know it's a little late in life. Like, my eldest <laughs> is almost 20. But who knows? Like, don't give up, right, guys? We're not supposed never, to give up. Never, never give up. Yeah. So I want now some inspirational stories that I can tell up my kids so that they grow up happy as failures. <laughs> Listen, uh, first of all, I think brushing your teeth every day is a huge accomplishment. I swear to God. I wish I was being sarcastic, but I'm not. I wish for my child. That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) You should be proud, all right? But I I would like to inspire your kids and everyone who's listening and their kids because I have a really beautiful, soul-stirring story, not of someone who failed on the way to success because, like, who wants to talk about losers like Steve Jobs, right? Like, who the fuck (laughs) This is the story of someone who just failed and failed and failed. He failed like so much and so spectacularly that he literally broke the records for failing. So meet K. Padmarajan from Vayanad, Kerala. Sir has magnificent moustache and like he really, he has an even more magnificent sense of self. He has contested huh, 168 elections since 1988 and wow. he's lost them all. <laughs> it's no small feat. It's it's a feat that has helped him enter the Guinness Book of World Records as the most unsuccessful candidate in elections in the world. His his most recent loss was in 2019 itself. And he was up against Rahul Gandhi. And true to form, he lost. So you might say he's like hashtag winning, you know, at losing. But like, what a guy. I love him so much. But you know what? Like, I love him not because he's a joke. Because he's actually not a joke. He is the spirit of this country and what is left of our democracy because he contests every time as an independent candidate. So no affiliation with any political party. And uh, he gave an interview to NDTV. And in that, he said that he knows. He knows he's going to lose and he doesn't stand a chance. But he does this because he wants to inspire others who can find the courage to contest even when the odds are stacked against them. I feel like when it comes to the dance of democracy, Mr. K. Padmarajan, he refuses to be in the chorus line. Like, no way, no how, you know. <laughs> he is the lead right up there on the marquee with all the lights like shining on him. He's boss. I love him. I absolutely love him. So, I guess what I'm saying, kids, is <laughs> failure is or can be a state of mind, which means that we have to then watch out for all of the things that trigger our sense of failure, right? Exactly. I was just going to ask you like he has self-belief that you know he has a purpose in life and apparently that's one of the basic things that you need to not feel like a failure but what I want to know is aren't there people around who are like oh my god you're not going to do it again are you because usually those are one of those triggers right other people can make us feel like losers yeah yeah in in fact like this NDTV piece on him it's a video and and it's a very respectful video because he's not a joke as I said but it ends very sweetly with saying that in 2019 he lost lost by I think like some 60,000 odd votes but this was the first election when his friends finally voted for him I was like oh <laughs> but then obviously all his friends are not dicks just a few of them <laughs> <laughs> it only yeah. took them 20 years 
so i i would say that it's not always that someone who looks like a failure to you is actually you know a failure there is a way to like walk through life feeling pretty good and having a sense of purpose for why you're doing what you're doing even if everybody else thinks you are a loser i think for all of us the lesson in this is how do we avoid those triggers that make us feel like a loser and who do we give the rights to to decide that we're losers and there's no other place that can do this as efficiently than social media for those of us who are on it you know Absolutely. because there is like this pressure to perform which wasn't there in the beginning 10 years ago when i started tweeting twitter was like a small club mostly fo- folks were plugging their blogs or stand up comics were trying out their one liners and the rest of us were just making you know banal observations on life and just having fun and making connections and then the landscape changed and you know now it's about woke olympics there's this competitive edge of who gets to be the wokest of them all so from quantum physics to like the tribes of andaman if you don't know everything about everything then you're a loser I, there, there are moments where i have experienced extreme anxiety about like saying the wrong things and then like you know dissing somebody unknowingly or just because i'm ignorant in many ways hurting somebody's sentiments i'm guessing everyone feels like this so i guess the good news is that everybody is somebody's loser only in some way <laughs> You're always going to be a loser for somebody out there. Yeah, that's so sweet. The right person. Yeah. I went on Twitter maybe about 10 love years ago as well. And you're right, it does feel more competitive now in some ways. But you know there's always an element of competition in life. I think it's human nature and it's just amped up on social media because 20 years ago or so it was Facebook. Facebook had become such a big deal. Everyone was constantly posting cool stuff. But I've seen competition at the school gate. You know, the way people dress up for big festivals, whether it's Christmas or it's the or whatever like it's a beauty contest by the way i've i've lost at all these competitions i have a friend who is competitive about home remedies i'll be like oh you know my mom used to give us haldi and honey and she'd be like no you should put haldi and honey and ginger and then you should put a little bit of pepper and then you've got to do a handstand you know it's like that she doesn't even mean to do it man that's intense it goes back to letting other people make you feel like shit or not it always does like i was celebrating my birthday you know i put on like quite a lot of weight for that second pregnancy so i lost like about 80% ஒரேப்பி Oh my god are you serious yeah, he was feeling like a winner purnima he made me feel like a loser on my birthday <laughs> with his boy boobies his boy boobies have always been bigger than mine god bless him so there's only one way to never feel bad or maybe there's two ways the two hmm. ways that have worked for me let me say that one is just remember whoever is talking to you, you know to make you feel bad on that day they have not thought it through they've just opened their mouths and vomited something at you so you don't have to take it to heart and the second thing is every day if you do about 20 to 40 sit ups every time someone says something nasty to you, you know just put your hand on your waist and feel your abs <laughs> <laughs> good one even if they are hidden under like some luxury and all of that of like your waist and all no just try and find your ab muscles i'm telling you it just empowers you for that day get fuck you i'm starting this today itself <laughs> 
but w- when it comes to deciding for ourselves if we are a failure i mean i think we really do a lot of hard work inside these messy little brains of ours and we also have to consider how society sets us up to fail right because boy boobies has created such turmoil inside now yeah. me as well just listening to this story yeah. but it's not always us right for example like we've all had that boss the yeah. guy who's like so full of himself that he can't help but spew his fart gas of mediocrity <laughs> all over everyone but when you're younger and you have to deal with that kind of a person it's hard to tell who's the problem and chances are that you will internalize their mediocrity as your own flaw and yeah. like no one knows this more than writers hai na so oh <laughs> I mean I mean I I've been doing this now for 20 years writing for a living yeah. and recently I had a very senior TV channel exec send an extremely nasty message to one of my clients bitching about a script that I wrote and he yeah. accused me of not responding to his feedback of being a lazy writer of not addressing glaringly obvious issues in the script basically all kinds of very critical hypercritical and horrid things it was not a polite message at all and I got really upset but by default i began to second guess myself like was i too stupid to understand his genius feedback or was i really lazy and then okay and then listener it turned out that he hadn't even read my latest draft that had been sent to him he had opened wow. the wrong fucking attachment i am uh-huh. sitting here thinking am i a lazy human being and he has opened the wrong fucking attachment but but look at what's at play here right there's a man in a position of immense power so yeah. he doesn't have to bother with human decency chalo okay we don't need to have human decency chalta hai but he's literally been so incompetent he can't even open the right attachment but does he account for his stupidity no why should he when he can shit all over you so you, you know yeah, you see yeah. how someone else's inadequacies can so easily transfer on to you if you are lower on the totem pole so the point i'm trying to make is that people in positions of power especially those mediocre ones whose mommies never hugged them will treat you poorly or manipulate you into thinking that you are the problem when it's actually really just them also you know it's very easy in some ways to kind of you know be dismissive of someone who's mean to you in a social situation or even in a family situation but actually when it comes down to money and you know whether you're going to make rent or not every month you really don't know what kind of mind games you have to play i think writers and creative people they do face this much more than like management fat cat you know we've all gone to meetings after three sleepless nights of like say working on a pitch and then you're waiting for the channel jabba the huts to walk in real slow <laughs> They walk in very slowly. Always five minutes after you get there, then they sit in the chair. Channel fatcats. So if you are listening to us right now, put this off. Also, they pick up the phone last minute and then call somebody. Hey, man, you are not coming for the meeting today. Some guy you've never heard of. <laughs> But you kind of basically played that game that some dick who was supposed to come has decided not to come because you are so low down the food chain. Then you fire up your presentation and you you know you stand up and you do a split and then you cha 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 and then you pour gold glitter from every pore of your skin you know and you're just doing everything shaking everything singing everything and this guy is just looking at you and then finally he'll be like maza nahi aa raha. Then he'll say can you make this funnier? You're like man it killed. 
it killed everyone else except right here and i really think that you know these people who have never had an idea in their heads they've yeah. never had a kind word in their mouth they've never even had an original joke how are we allowing them to dictate whether we are successes or not even for that moment even for that 5 minutes it does my head in absolutely and it took me 20 years to crack this because everybody comes along you know it's like you're sitting in it's like a railway platform every train that comes along will like throw something out the window and it hit your head it's like that you're just sitting there waiting for other people to tell you how bad you are at your job when you in your heart know that that's not true but the thing is that this is like one small part of a much larger problem because the system doesn't set us all up equally in the same way it works to set up some of us up for success and for the others it's set up for failure and we see this all the time across like class and caste and gender and disability divides it has much vaster ramifications and i learned this from the people i work with at the free library so my mentors over there taught me how to work so that we can create a system in which everyone can succeed for example you know there was this one time when the library was invited to submit stories written by our kids our members we had to submit this to some fancy online platform literary pr- platform our writers worked very hard and their stories were great but maybe their grammar wasn't because you know there's a lot to be desired from the educational system that they have access to but also because they are not native uh, english speakers they use yeah. language differently like how african american rappers have adapted english and really created a new beautiful language which in which yeah, they now you use you use the idiom of another language in another language and you create something new almost yeah Absolutely. it's actually it's actually it's an opportunity i for i also, and i feel like it grows language and it grows literature but but these stories were rejected and it didn't matter what these kids were trying to say or how beautifully they wrote about their you know inner worlds and their outer worlds their english was not public school english so game over and it made me so mad i mean it made us all really really angry so now of course those of us who have the good fortune of knowing public school english work hard with our writers like we work hard to help them edit and vet their pieces and all that but more importantly than that we try to create spaces where they can be published without too much editing so we'll have them on our blog or we'll print out books of their poetry and put it up on our own shelves i mean these are writers who have been thrown out by the gatekeepers of indian literature the system is set up for them to fail but they are not failures they are amazingly talented so here i'd like to say to the listeners that if you're still bitching about things like reservations or harping on merit then suck my man go read some ambedkar because sometimes failure is institutional it's not individual and same with success sometimes your success is not about how you got 90% in your boards it's because you come from a family where since the time you were a fetus people were reading to you that's something we all need to understand about the world we live in and who we are calling failures Yeah, but they're talking about yourself or somebody else. Absolutely, and the, I think the other thing that I have a problem with is that you make examples out of exceptions. Like, oh my God, that person she ran a marathon at fifty-five. This woman has four children, a full-time career, and then she adopted seven more children. Arey boss, even Harsha Bhogle has grown his whole head or hair back. Like, I cannot <gasps> any of the above. <laughs> Don't make an example out of an exception. Like screw Seriously. it. You know, good for fucking you. Like, and we do this to our kids. We do this to children who are impoverished. We do ch- this to everyone. That oh my god, see that guy now grew up in the slums and now he's dancing in the London ballet. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you doing playing video games on my sofa yeah and my child is like wow today you brushed your teeth tomorrow who knows what will happen you might even scrape your tongue have a gargle wonderful the just compact we do it to ourselves you know that's the worst yeah but i would like to just say that i everything i hear about your library i've told you this privately it fills me with a great sense of inspiration like i'm so inspired and you know i also realize what a total dick i am <laughs> but you know why are you I, a dick because you learn so many things like for example those the way the systems are built for people to fall through the cracks already i know those things exist i just don't even feel like they can be fixed in this country and in fact i think every day people are making more cracks for all of us to fall through you know like oh there was no crack here yesterday oh, <laughs> my children with their shiny brush teeth now they are going to fall in that crack now it's a brand <laughs> No, I mean, I, I it is it is a very dark and depressing time. But I really hope that we hold on to some shred of possibility that things can change because there are so many people fighting for that to happen. So yeah. we have to hold on to hope. I think you and that dude in Wynard. <laughs> that dude in wynard i mean come on man champion we kind of have imbibed this agnostic idea towards success or towards success the way the world looks at it or we are trying to but there is a thing that we do have a culture of aspiration and of striving and we are discussing you know contentment versus happiness all the time you know you've got hashtag monday motivation inspirational quotes it's like if you just try hard enough now it will be fine you'll win you know mm. if you just chant enough or if you manifest it or you talk to the universe you know all those cute the things the secret the secret yes very much okay so i'm co- quoting arthur schopenhauer here and he says and i really believe this like there's only one inborn error and that is the notion that we exist in order to be happy as long as we persist in this inborn error and indeed even become confirmed in it through optimistic dogmas aka monday motivation mm-hmm. the world seems to us full of contradictions and you know that's the thing we're like hardwired somehow to believe that we are a bit miserable but if we just buy some stuff or we do some stuff we'll be quote unquote happy and the word happiness itself it comes from the word luck do you know traditionally mm. hap is old norse and it's the root of the word happiness and the same with her born her it means good luck and the german word glück means both happiness and chance like today not in the olden days like right now it means happiness and chance is the same thing and right. what we have done is like we've made happiness like some sort of like american dream glowing skin and something going to say and also an avocado breakfast you know it's like happiness <laughs> has become it's like a performance it's not a feeling is that big car that you're going to buy any fun if no one can see it yeah think about it and that's why we like this whole culture of striving also is bullshit like that whole thing about the journey of a thousand miles begins in one step but mm-hmm. bhai sahab where are you going why are you going mm-hmm. so far you can't do it on zoom what you have to do 1000 miles away you know and it's all being packaged like something we need to do like you know i know people who you know it's all they can do to just go down to the bhelwala near the park no and have a bhel puri but now they've been told that they have to get a cheap package store to europe and then they'll see everything for 3 minutes at a time and you know they'll have to avoid all the food because it's all non veg right and they have a really shitty <laughs> time and they'll come back and they'll spend a lot of money and somehow someone told them that would give them happiness so, you know like yeah. it doesn't really make everybody happy then there's the whole self love thing like everyone's telling you how to love yourself but it always means that somehow i have to hit add to cart 
my problem with this is that it starts with this whole self care industry starts with concepts that actually are intelligent concepts and they make sense i mean self love is great like who wouldn't want that but then it force fits these concepts into over the counter anesthetics it's very frustrating and it makes it almost unachievable but then you feel really bad because it's also supposed to be doable so like you know sanjeev from marketing will attend every hr retreat and he will do all the yoga meditation and the reiki and brene brown and he'll like diligently do it all and he'll have all these posters in his office you know those one word posters like strength and compassion and success with the with the snow capped like mountain but when he drives home every day and he turns into his parking lot at the end of the day he still can't get out of his car because he's just like filled with existential dread and he just wants to sit, sit in his car forever so like too bad sanjeev even though you're like hr's favorite child you're not getting nirvana today that's not going to happen so quickly <laughs> like my pet peeve is self love because you know oh you have a shitty relationship it is lack of self love oh you don't have money in the bank it's lack of self love oh your you know your boss hates you it's lack of self love okay great thank you very much but like you know how do i get this self love it's not like i'll chant 35 affirmations and and suddenly magically self love will appear because like true change from within it takes forever man it's like life <laughs> fucking work and some people have to pay a lot for therapy and other people have to have like other traumatic experiences or like do some kind of weird drug to be enlightened in mexico probably but this one size fits all approach to spiritual growth or mental health it just it sets up false expectations and that's why it pisses me off because like this poor rubus anjee fellow every day he is doing affirmations you know universe loves me and all that and suppose he still fails and universe doesn't love him then everything falls apart no he can end up or like we can end up listener sanjeev is me anyway but you know it can make us feel like more of a failure than we really are because we have very human failings yeah, but yeah. those human failings doesn't make us wrong as people and that's my problem with you know fetishizing things like self love it's it's a lot i think the thing is that with the information we are getting about self love is just really just all hashtags and on instagram women with blue eyes are telling us about it actually i think that if you have a very abiding sense of your own mortality na mm. that is the key to happiness and there's lots wrong with the way we are raised but <laughs> i brought this up before all catholic children are raised with the not even a fear of death and acceptance of death and it mm. can start with like those lovely prayers that if i should die before i sleep and all of that <laughs> or your mother saying you know when i die you'll know which is also quite interesting <laughs> that cuts across like religions i think <laughs> yeah but this whole thing of trying trying to imagine yourself after you die and you know stuff like that and i really think that you know this life's too short no is not a threat it's actually a really kind reassuring thing <laughs> like life is short mm-hmm. you're going to be gone just love yourself you've done a good job you're doing your best 
we just get into this thing of like if i work harder if i do this if i do that and meanwhile like time is just slipping out of our hands with us looking forward rather than yeah. oh my god see living in the moment shoot me now <laughs> yuck so how does that work like you know like if i said what did you want to be as a kid because you know now that you're older then do you not look back and say oh shit i didn't make it to nasa how does that work i feel ashamed to say this but i didn't have any like what i want to be when i am grown up sort of thing i didn't really have any long term plans i was very very uh, familiar with the fact that i wanted to feel a particular way rather than be a particular person like i wanted to have five children but i also wanted horses and i wanted dogs and i wanted to live on a farm i wanted to have a hot husband and mm-hmm. i thought chalo i'll be a writer somehow it'll all work out and you know <laughs> it didn't i don't have even one horse but it's okay i mean you know i don't feel like a personal failure and you know santo s thompson he has a really nice thing to say about growing up and he says when you are young let's say that you want to be a farmer mm. i feel reasonably safe in saying that you no longer want to be a farmer why because your perspective has changed it's not the farmer who has changed but you every man is the sum total of his reactions to experience and your experiences differ and multiply and you become a different man and your perspective changes so we don't strive to be firemen we don't strive to be bankers or policemen or doctors we strive to be ourselves the goal is absolutely secondary it's the functioning towards the goal which is important mm. which is because our goalposts do keep shifting right what do you think you be when you were a kid i would have been very like fantastical unrealistic sci-fi type <laughs> <laughs> you know because i was more of a dreamer than somebody who had concrete um, ambitions i was not a very ambitious kid i would have very clear visuals of me at work usually it was on a film set and of course i'm like you know catching the eye of the most gorgeous star on the set and stupid things like that <laughs> i never i never had ambition and now i'm also feeling bad that i never had ambition <laughs> no, but maybe you just had wisdom instead and that See, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, because when you know when failure came at me, I was never devastated by it. I was like, yeah, okay, so what's next? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never had a concrete ambition that fell apart, right? I was just like floating through life, and it worked out for me. It doesn't mean that I didn't work hard at what I needed to work hard at. Like Absolutely. I also always chased the urge to do something. So when I realized that I enjoy writing. or that i really enjoy uh, certain kinds of films then i put two and two together and i said oh i should look for a job which allows me to do both and right. then i bombed in those i bombed in those and i think i learned very early on because when you work in films first of all um, i don't know how it is now but it's it's a very toxic environment especially when you're starting out and almost everybody hates you and is yelling at you and um saying horrible things to you so yeah. that's very character building um and i realized like failure is just a crossroads it's just that there's no other value judgment attached to it you know failure in itself means nothing its power is in its ability to show us how we are and who we are and then offer us another chance you know to live a, live to fight another yeah, day that's well, the thing it's very transient actually yeah, you know, yeah moments of failure are fucking transient you should not let them imprint on you and also how you respond to them there is no value judgment on that like it's it's just a bloody nose and if you want to if you get a bloody nose and you want to walk out of their boxing ring that's fine because you're looking yeah. after yourself but if you say you know hey what the fuck it's my it's just a bloody nose i'm going to wipe it off and i am now going to change my strategy and make sure that i win this boxing match that's also one way to go there's no greater meaning to that and and failure can 
do great things for a person not everyone is going to be steve jobs who rose from the ashes of failure you, you know how i know that i know that because there was only one steve jobs like, yeah. i don't know other steve jobs around me so like if if you're looking at success in those terms then i think you're always going to be searching absolutely and also you never know what is an opportunity like i have a very close friend who has been stunningly beautiful from the moment she was born and you know at the age of 23 she got adult acne and it was really bad and she spent 2 years in pain and people pointing at her and all and then she became funny purnima so now she doesn't have the acne anymore she's still hot and she's funny and we all oh, look shit. at these things and say, you never know it could be steve jobs you could just be hot and funny you know just like everything's transient it's <laughs> calm the fuck down yeah it's success like, is also like so success is as surprising as failure is you know and there's a big suck in success <laughs> i think i think if you don't into some extent it's like if no one if you don't fail also a bit you get pretty bad at it which is frightening when you talk about parents in this country kind of constantly bolstering their children up and not letting them fail not letting them yeah. fail then you know what happens is they just have like they just they fall apart and they become evil people when they're grown up yeah and and you really have to reach your own definition of success like for example success for me doesn't look like success for you or anyone else like for me it's like kind of weird and dysfunctional and unique to me so the pursuit of joy is bigger than fame and money does matter but only i know exactly how little or how much i need it before it starts getting complicated and unpleasant for me i think people need to be left alone also to define success for themselves outside of all the noises i just want to bring this up you know you mentioned take a drug earlier and it's really true okay you know people who have depression or they have addiction issues things like you know things that kind of make you feel like a failure like if you've been trying to kick an addiction for years and you mm. know it can make you feel that oh my god this is coming in the way of my life and everything and there are certain things you can do like you can jump start you can you know do this meditation thing or you can there are lots of alternate sort of ideas now that i think we should all open our minds and explore and everything and then this there's this whole psilocybin thing the magic mushroom thing and i read this book by this guy called michael pollan called how to change your mind and he says that one of the things our minds do is they just keep repeating stories about ourselves to ourselves so mm-hmm. there's an inner dialogue dialogue that's very nasty and you know you're worthless no one loves you you're not worthy of love life's not going to get better you get trapped in this kind of loop and mm-hmm. apparently in done in a place where it's legal surrounded by doctors and with nice music when they dose these people they momentarily disable the part where the brain talks to itself and oh. yeah and it's kind of weird what happens in this particular part there's the, along with self reflection and everything there's this whole time travel we're constantly looking back to what we did wrong and looking forward to what's terrible and shit like that and it just switches to which is a talk. So what happens is the first thing you do is you react with fear because it's a physical disillusion of your ego or a physical physical disillusion of your inner dialogue. And you can imagine, you know, people you and I we have a lot of inner dialogue and it's very terrifying. And then mm-hmm. when they come fit, somehow they kind of rewired to be gentler to themselves and feel like some sort of a connection wow. to that are outside of just your own personal success story and i think in some ways when the moment you feel a connection you can also see the way systems are set up for you to fail or to succeed you can see what your worth is to somebody else in their story of success or failure and i don't know man i really get scared of like getting there but i think it's a little bit about love <laughs> like yeah. love you know has to be incorporating other people as well and that is what success is like the fact that you find me funny 
is money in the bank for me. I can't buy <laughs> shit with it. I can't. But I'm on social media, which is, you know, given so many fatkas every day. I'm telling you, you've got to see my DMs. You can imagine. It's just <laughs> full of fantastic people I've met. I mean, I met you on it. And mm-hmm. it's full of, especially women. I mean, I have so much self-worth on some days because of that. I put up a sexy selfie the other day. I mean, that's how sexy I was feeling. That was so amazing. It was yeah. so beautiful. This is the only time I regret this being an audio platform because it was such a beautiful image, really. Yeah, yeah. But that's because I wasn't talking. But the thing is that you can find validation and you can find proof that you haven't failed. What are yeah. the kinds of successes that we should be looking at? You know, especially in the context of this year, and I've thought a lot about this, even just looking and learning from everyone around me actually not just sitting in my own bubble I think there are like a few ways in which I want to talk to our listeners about what success might mean you know like I feel like if you were kind this year to others and to yourself then success or if you had a crazy idea and you sort of handheld it to fruition big success and especially now in this country if you spoke truth to power even when it scared you shitless no matter where whether it was social media whether it was in your family whether you were out on the streets big success if you stood by someone in a crisis or an illness or a dark time huge success if you asked for help success and of course, like if you survived COVID in 2020, congratulations, you're a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of things have fallen apart this year. Relationships have fallen apart. People have lost their jobs. People have had to make decisions that they were not comfortable with, like return to their hometowns, delay their weddings or do whatever. And it's all very much part of winning personally, like making a decision is you know, such an important thing to have confidence in your own decisions. We have to wrap this up. I want to read this poem called End of Winter by the winner of this year's Nobel Prize for Literature. Her name is Louise Gluck and uh, this poem is called The End of Winter. Over still world, a bird calls, waking solitary among black boughs. You wanted to be born, I'll let you be born. When has my grief ever gotten in the way of your pleasure? Plunging ahead into the dark and light at the same time, eager for sensation as though you were some new thing, wanting to express yourself, all brilliance, all vivacity. Never thinking this would cost you anything, never imagining the sound of my voice as anything but part of you. You won't hear it in the other world, not clearly again. Not in bird call or human cry. Not the clear sound, only persistent echoing in all sound that means goodbye. Goodbye. The one continuous line that binds us to each other. It's about dying. <sighs> but that was stunning. That was no, so I know. She's very good. So we're going to take a week off and we are going to be back in January as quickly as our hangovers fade. We want to thank you guys for listening. And we've got some shit to say to 2020. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Goodbye, 2020. You were hard and made us soft in the middle. Bye, 2020. And don't let that door hit you on your way out. (laughs) Bye, 2020. Take your fucking sado starter and end it. Bye, 2020. Don't call us. We'll call you. Not. Bye, 2020. You sucked so hard, but I still had to vacuum my fucking flat. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, 2020. I never loved you anyway. And your mom is fat. By 2020, in hindsight, you will still suck. (laughs) 2020, 
2021, you bet you better behave. <laughs> no pressure. Oh my God. You better behave, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Thursday, bitches. We'll see you next year. Happy holidays and a very happy new year to us all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thursday Bitches is a fortnightly podcast presented and produced by Junisia Alves and Purnima Rao. Podcasting advice and support from the good people of Audiomatic. All views expressed are personal. Very personal.